Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGroff. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. We all have things that weigh us down. We know that Jesus even said that we're going to have trouble and we need to take heart because God provides ways out of the trouble and He gives us peace and contentment and hope. And so we want to talk about the burden of fear and think about the things that we might be afraid of. You know that commercial that's out there, what's in your wallet? The question is, what are you afraid of? You know, what's in your wallet in terms of fear? Uh, I was reading an article that talked about the top 10 fears, kind of like the old David Letterman thing, the top 10 things. I'll start with number 10 fear. One of the fears is losing your freedom, losing control. Number nine is fear of the unknown. Number eight is fear of pain. Number seven, fear of disappointment. Number six, the fear of misery. I guess that kind of goes with pain. Number five, the fear of loneliness. Number four, the fear of ridicule. Number three, the fear of rejection. And this is interesting. Number two is the fear of death. And number one, what do you think number one is? How how could there be a number one if number two is the fear of death? There's something even more significant than the fear of death. How you die? That's a good guess, but it's not right. (laughs) It's actually the fear of failure. Fear of failure. And isn't it the truth that we all deal with that fear at different times in our life? And so I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles or look at the screen to Mark chapter 4. Remind you of a familiar story in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And um, the disciples, uh, that day when evening had come, he said to the disciples, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And so a great windstorm. It's interesting, Mark doesn't use this word, but in the book of Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, the word for windstorm is seismos. You know where we get... You know what word we get seismos from? Seismograph, seismic activity. It was was like an earthquake. Uh, That's what it felt like to the disciples. It was a great earthquake-type windstorm that arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Or why are you so timid? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith or conviction to trust me? And they were filled with great, exceedingly blessed fear and amazement. And they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, I was thinking about this story, and I just 
we don't have in the story, there's a lot of missing pieces. I'd like to know, you know, how long did it take them to wake up Jesus? I mean, he must have been in a really deep sleep. He must have been a person that had been on a lot of cruises before, and he really liked the way the boat rocked back and forth, and it made him really comfortable and sleep even deeper. And so he's in this really deep sleep, and you know how it is when you're in a deep sleep and someone wakes you up. And then I wonder what he began to think. He, did he say, and I'm not, I'm not cursing by saying this, oh my God, there's a storm. You know, oh my God, there's a storm. You know, what are we going to do? I mean, did Jesus get stirred up for just a little bit? I mean, we don't have any indication of that. Did he just kind of play with the disciples for a little while? Like, what are you guys afraid of? Don't you notice the water's coming up in the boat? Yeah, so it's only, we only have a little ways to go. What's the big deal? I don't know what happened. I'd like to know. All we know is that at some point, Jesus turns to the storm, and what's significant is he turns away from their fear, and he turns to the source of the fear, and he speaks to it. Now, I want you to keep that in mind as we look at this topic this morning, because that's the way we have to deal with fear and anxiety. Because it's not so much the fear and anxiety that we're dealing with, it's what's underneath the surface. And what we need to do is turn away from the fear and anxiety and what's underneath the surface and pay attention to what the Lord is saying in the midst of it. Because I think that's what Jesus did. I think Jesus was able, out of His supernatural ability at that moment, to quickly make a decision. And the decision was, okay, it wasn't batten down the hatches and hang on. It was, peace be still. And so, as we think about fear... I, I got to say this because I, I watched this little YouTube clip of Max Lucado start talking about this storm story, and I, I can't resist. This is a great one. Max Lucado says, The disciples were screaming while Jesus was dreaming. The thunder roars while Jesus snores. <laughs> I thought those were good. So what, why, are we, why are you so afraid? And what are you afraid of? That's his question to the disciples. So that's a question I have for all of us this morning. Whatever you're facing in your life, why are you afraid? Why are you so afraid and what are you afraid of? And I might not happen to know the answer to that question for some of you. You know, some of you might be afraid of a diagnosis that's less about the cure and more about the treatment. One of the things that we were able to rejoice with Stephen about a couple of weeks ago, and they had a big dinner at his parents' house last night to, to celebrate his freedom from cancer. You don't have to be afraid of that because of being free. But I'm sure that there were times for Stephen, I know, especially for his mom and dad, there were times where they had fear about both the disease and the treatment that was involved. Are you afraid for your family, for their safety or their spiritual well-being in their lives? Are you afraid that your past might finally catch up with you? Long Island's a small place. And maybe somebody knows somebody that knows something about your life that you don't want them to know. Are Are you afraid of the future? So afraid of what the future is going to bring that it paralyzes the present. Are you afraid because the ever increasing disparity between between your slim bank account and the fat bills that need to be paid continues to increase. 
The reality is there is no one in this room right now that's immune from being afraid of anything or something. No matter how much we breathe, we display that there's always something that we're afraid of. We all wrestle with why we're here. We all wrestle with who we are, significance and existence. We all deal with those kinds of questions. Even if you look at each one of our personalities and each one of us have different characteristics in our personalities, but I bet you each one of these core fears is represented. The core, of be, the, the core fear of being wrong. How many of you like being wrong? Exactly. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand on this, but how many of you are afraid and you don't say anything because you're afraid of being wrong? There's the core fear of being rejected or unwanted. The core fear of being exposed or thought incompetent, which, which matches that fear of failure, the fear that someone will find out that you don't really know what you're talking about. The fear of being inadequate. All you got to do is be a parent, and that starts hitting you really quick when you realize, I don't know for sure what to do. The fear of being thought incapable or ignorant about what needs to be done. Another core fear is being blamed or alone or being deprived or missing out. The fear that, what, what, did, I, what did I miss? Have you ever had that experience where you showed up late to something and you realized you missed the party? You missed a really great time and there's this fear that starts building up in you that you never want to miss out on something again. And a couple more, the fear of being weak or powerless and vulnerable. And finally, some of you are afraid of conflict. And so you have this fear of being in conflict. And so what ends up happening, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you end up either being passive or passive-aggressive because you don't want to be in the middle of the conflict. And the source of the problem is fear that you need to get rid of and, get rid, uh, and, and, and take off of, of your shoulders as a burden. The good news is, is that fear serves a purpose. It's not about getting rid of fear. It's about what you do with the fear. Because we're all going to be facing fear. We need to all have some sort of level of fear. All we're going to do is get on the, in our car and drive on Long Island and be reminded that we all need to have some level of fear. I remember an older couple that we used to know, they used to pray, Lord, would you please protect J.D. when he goes out on the road and protect his car from the other people that are driving. And we all have to deal with that kind of fear. But one of the purposes of fear is, first of all, it gets our attention. It tells us that something may be wrong. You You know the story of the coal mines. They often would take birds into the coal mines because... The birds was the canaries, for example, the parakeets. They would chirp and they would sing. But when they would stop, what would that tell them? That there was, there was dangerous gases in the coal mine. And they stopped because the birds were dead. And so the canaries were there to bring to their attention that there needed to be something done. There was something fearful that they needed to deal with and they needed to get out of the coal mine as quickly as possible because of the danger of the gas that was there. It's not just the presence of fear, but it's the why of fear and how we respond to it. Besides getting our attention, 
It also motivates us to seek a, a solution to a deeper problem. Fear is what motivated the woman with the issue of blood, which is later in Mark chapter 5. Fear is what motivated the woman with the issue of blood. I can't go much longer losing blood. If I've been doing this for 12 years, if I go much longer, I'm going to die. And fear is what motivated her to push through the crowd and to find Jesus and grab a hold of his, of his, his garment, his coat, and say, I, I need something. So fear is what motivates us to seek for a deeper, to, uh, an answer to the problem that exists. And the third thing is that fear gives us the opportunity to grow in our faith. Even in the midst of chaos, one author said, turmoil, fear, and disaster, there is a place called peace. And it's in that place where we can reside and know the fact is that Jesus is actually in the boat with us. So this third thing is that fear gives us an opportunity to grow in our faith. This same author says your breakthrough over fear will spark faith in all who witness your freedom. Your storm must respond to the roar of the Holy Spirit inside of you, and God is speaking to you to rise up, stand, and roar His Word. Fear is courage needing to be awakened. It's the embryo of courage. Without the presence of fear, we have no need for courage. Without a real enemy, we have no need for courage to be awakened. So the purpose of fear is it gives us the opportunity to see if we're growing in our courage and we're growing in our ability to trust God. So we need to be in fearful situations to know if we're going to respond properly. As I mentioned, one of the stories in chapter 5 in Mark is the story about the woman with the issue of blood who had been suffering for 12 years. But there's other stories there. Because of the disciples' fear, they almost missed the opportunity to experience watching a man who had a legion of demons being delivered. They also almost missed the opportunity of watching a little girl raised from the dead. And because they had seen Jesus perform a miracle of calming the storm, when they walked into a situation where Jesus was ready to pray for someone that was dead, their fear had turned into courage. You know, if that guy can calm the storm, I think it's really possible he could maybe even raise that little girl from the dead. That's what happens when we encounter fear and we turn from our fear and we turn towards trusting Him and then we receive our courage from Him because we've seen Him come through. And so all of a sudden we get into situations that are greater and more difficult than we faced before and we go, that's not a problem. We can deal with that. And then we say to someone that's close to us, a friend or someone that's part of our family or someone that's part of the church that's going through a difficult time and they're afraid, that's okay. You know, I remember, you know, Emily is about ready to have a baby here. Not, not today, but in a few days. But I remember when they were first going through the blood test and they were concerned about whatever it is, I don't know, I don't know all the details, the hormone levels. Whatever it is. Amy, you got to help me here. Am I on my own? H, what is it? HCG. And they were concerned about those. And so, as they shared their request for prayer, because 
of things that we face in our life, and Kathy had to go through a difficult period with the loss of a baby through a miscarriage, we were able, because of what we had to face, and experience later, to be able to have faith that maybe Emily and Vijay didn't have at that time. That's what happens when we go through fear because it's not just for ourselves. There are seasons where it may be for somebody else that we need to help in the midst of the difficulty they're facing. The Scripture actually gives us a formula for defeating fear. It's, it's just a short little verse. Some of you probably have it memorized. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Anybody know what that says? You can put it up there and then we can... You could have put it up there, Emily, and then everybody else could have... Everybody could have sounded really smart. For the Spirit of God gave us... Gives a, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The words that Jesus spoke to the storm interestingly enough, are the same words he spoke in Mark chapter 1, verse 25, when he spoke to the, to the demon-possessed man, and he said to the demon-possessed man, be still, come out. As he spoke to the demon, it's the same word, peace, be still. And he speaks those words because battling fear is a spiritual decision that involves an act of trust that God is greater than any of our fears. God is greater than any of our fears. And battling fear is this spiritual decision to trust God for direction. And when our formulas, anything that we've tried, is out of balance, fear takes control of our lives. Fear takes the place of our trust in God. And we receive what He gives us in His Spirit, which is power, love, and sound mind, if we turn from the fear and we turn to Him. There's three Three words that are in this verse that I want to pay attention to. The first one is power. The word that's used for power by Paul is the word dunamis. The same word from which we get dynamite. And so the promise from the Scripture, the formula, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us power. As a believer, you and I don't have to deal with fear with some kind of self-help manual. We don't have to find some kind of gimmick to figure out a way to deal with fear we have the power of God in us because of the Holy Spirit to help us to deal with fear so that we can overcome natural cir circumstances, even in circumstances that have su supernatural elements to them, we can actually overcome them because of the power that God gives to us. The Scripture says, Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but He's given you power. The second thing is He says He's giving you love. Can you think of a verse in 1 John that talks about love and fear in the same verse? It starts with perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. The word that's used in that verse is the word agape. It's God's love. And as a believer, the benefit that you have is you, as you receive God's love in your life and as you let His love permeate through your life, what ends up happening is it gives you the ability to experience God working in your life and actually taking fear and casting it aside. The word that's used there literally means to take and throw as far as you can throw it. So He gives us power and He gives us love. 
And it casts out fear about who we are and why we're here and where we're going and where we're going to end up. And the third thing is, is he gives us a sound mind. Sound mind. Those two words. It's interesting, the word that's used for sound is the word sozo. You know what the word sozo is? Fullness of salvation. He gives us power, love, and fullness of salvation. That means all the benefits of salvation are at your disposal as a believer. Everything that you need is at your disposal. The fullness of salvation. And the fullness of salvation is given to us to protect us. Because the word sound mind means to save, deliver, protect, and keep sound. It means that our mind is not going crazy with thoughts that don't belong there. You know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't go back to sleep because your mind is racing, that's not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to happen. And I bet you it's happened to every one of us at one time or another. But that's why God gives us the benefit or the privilege of taking those thoughts and turning them to prayer and watching Him bring soundness of mind even in the midst of situations that wouldn't make sense otherwise. Somebody says, this is a mind that is saved, protected, has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, and brought into a place of safety and security so that it is no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. A mind that is thinking correctly. A mind that's affected by fear is not thinking correctly. But a mind that is trusting in God is able to take situations and say, you know what? This looks like trouble, but I don't have to be afraid. This looks like difficulty, but I know there's a way out of this difficulty. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now let me read this passage again, but add some phrases to help us understand it even more. Because it's a mind of thinking supernaturally because it's thinking the way God thinks. God has not given us a spirit of fear or panic. Jesus didn't panic in the boat. But of power. Power means the ability to see miraculous signs and wonders and the ability to direct and influence the course of events to change the atmosphere like delivering someone of a demon. It's actually changing somebody's life. And, and, and of love, to cast out fear by waiting patiently on God's promises because I know I'm fully protected as I always trust, I always hope, and I always persevere. And of a sound mind, a mind that is delivered, rescued, revived, it's salvaged, protected, and it's brought into a place of safety and security. So it's no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. Now, I don't know if this morning you've got some things going on in your life. And even as I'm talking about fear this morning, your mind is racing 100 miles an hour. And you're doing the kind of thing that we all do at one time or another, like what if this happens? Or what if this happens? Or what if this doesn't happen at this time? Or what if, what if I don't get this answer at this time? Or what if, what if she doesn't recover like I hope? Or what if this and what if that? And all of that racing of thought. 
is changed if we receive the soundness of mind that comes with power and love as He displays it to us in, in Him. The question is, do I let it consume me or do I let it transform me? How do I answer the question, what am I afraid of? And the remedy is to trust in God, is to, to take fear, which is real, and turn our fear to Him with the reality that He's never failed me yet. So Psalm 34 says something very interesting, and I just want to read the first few verses. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and He delivered me from all of my fears. Now, I do want you to acknowledge this question by raising your hand. How many of you have experienced the Lord delivering you from any fear? Raise your hand. Everybody look around. Now keep your hand up. How many of you have experienced the Lord delivering you from all of your fears? Okay. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's... That right there is what we all want, is to be able to say with the psalmist, to say with David, the Lord has delivered me from all of my fears. Now that doesn't mean we don't have things to be concerned about. That doesn't mean that life just all of a sudden gets easy and all of us have, all of, all of us have a $200 billion bank account. Well, that wouldn't be so bad, but it doesn't mean that everything has to go perfect. It means that we know how to respond properly to the things that life brings us. And it's like, you know what? The enemy can bring anything to me that he wants to, but the Lord has delivered me from all of those fears. And the next thing I want to say as I get close to finishing up, because we can trust him, we don't ever need to be afraid to ask him to reveal our fears. Because one of the things that we do sometimes when we start thinking about the topic of fear is we get in denial. And we don't want to admit to other people, I'm afraid. Aren't you afraid? Oh, no, no, no. I've seen God come through so many times. You know, I'm, I'm... Cut the baloney. If you're afraid, be willing to admit you're afraid. And ask for other people to pray for you. Ask for other people to stand with you in the midst of situations that you're afraid of. But isn't, it's interesting what Paul says, in, in, I mean the psalmist says in Psalm 139, and Emily, if we could put that up. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any anxious way in me. And lead me to the way everlasting. Anxious way in me means, is there any fearful way in me? So I'd like, before we finish this morning, what I'd like to do is ask you to do this. We're going to take a moment in a little bit here and ask the Lord if there's anything that we're anxious about. And then we're going to Take our, take, go through the exercise of turning our trust towards Him. I was thinking about, it was about five and a half years ago, 
How old, Jay, how old is Abby? Five and a half? Okay, I think I had that right. It's about the time that Abigail was born that I got really sick. And I still remember when I was laying on the gurney at the ER when I started hearing the nurses and doctors using the word septic. And I, I, I was doing pretty well with all of it because I was kind of tired of it. But I was doing pretty well with the emotions of it all until I heard the word septic. And I realized, because I, I, had, I remember praying for someone years ago, and when I went in to go pray for him, the doctor said, you need to realize we don't know if he's going to make it because he's septic. And sepsis is moving throughout his body, and we don't know if we can turn it around. And I remember thinking when I heard septic, I realized I have something I need to be afraid of right at this moment. And I had to deal with that. And I realized at that moment, I had a lot of anxious thoughts that I had been pushing down. And I needed to let them go so that I could turn them towards the strength that God wanted to provide in that moment. So what I want to encourage us to do this morning before we close our time in worship is to realize that fear and anxiety causes us to do one of three things. It either causes us to freeze. What are we going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm afraid to move. Or it causes us to run, to flight, and to avoid the problem, thinking that it will go away, but then it's there the next day. Or the third F is it turns us towards faith. The biblical response to fear is faith first. And then we know whether to stand still or whether to move on. So I'd like you to bow your heads. And I want you to, I'm going to lead us to ask God this question. I'm going to ask the Lord to, to reveal to our hearts if there's any anxious way in our hearts right now. And as those things come to mind, anything that you're anxious about, fearful about, and I'm trusting that everybody has at least one thing, if not many things. And then what we're going to do is the Lord reveals it to you. We're asking him to show you whether to stand still or to move on. And if you're supposed to move on, what are you supposed to do with it? So Lord, in this moment, we ask you, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now and we make ourselves willing and ask if you would show us any fear or anxious thought that we have in us. And we ask as you show us those anxious thoughts, we also want to ask you, Lord, to show us what you want us to see. We ask you, Lord, why are you showing this to us? Why did you choose to show this to us right now? And where do we need to grow in our faith? We need to learn, do we need to learn more, Lord, about standing still and waiting in your presence? Do we need to learn more, Lord, about stepping out and taking a step of faith and risk and knowing that you'll be there? 
So whatever it is, Lord, that we're dealing with right now, give us the wisdom to know what to do and the strength to do it. We ask in your name. Amen.